0: Welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Raya. I'm an automotive writer for Bay Area News Group, and I publish the website theweeklydriver.com. My colleague is Bruce Aldrich, and today, Bruce, I was just thinking about this on the way over to your house. We've had uh, manufacturers, CEOs, we've had book authors, we've had analysts, we've had vintage car owners, we've had all kinds of people, but We have the pleasure today of chatting with our first mayor. uh, Politician. Politician, Mayor Jim Brainerd uh, from Carmel, uh, Indiana. And uh, I I got an email a while back, a public relations release of this nice program that the mayor is uh, intimately involved with. Uh, Carmel has uh, roundabouts, lots of roundabouts. And so I'm a big fan. Lots of people are big fans of roundabout so mayor brainerd as you said we can call you jim jim welcome to our podcast
1: well it's great to be with you today
0: Oh, good It'll be a lot of fun yeah it should be um jim could you kind of give us a background of your um initiation of this program and um what it's meant to uh, a city of the size of carmel and and uh how long has it been in the works
1: well i 1st I've been doing this a long time. I was first elected mayor and took office in 1996. Uh, we're a edge city to Indianapolis, so it's about a 2 million metro area. And Carmel at the time was about 25,000 people. Today, we're over 100,000 people. Yes. But I had uh, been fortunate enough to uh, do some grad work in England. And, you know, I, I'm a lawyer by training. I was a history major. I I think I knew how to spell civil engineering, but I'm not positive. <laughs> I it's, like your sense it's of humor. I'm familiar with. Yes. Yeah. But, but, but I did notice when I was in Europe that these circle things, they, they worked a lot better than stoplights. You weren't sitting in line. And so after I became mayor, I thought I've kind of learned more about engineering and traffic flow and how to move people around. We know that, uh, going back to the Roman empire, you know, the people that succeeded are ones that move people and goods around efficiently and successfully. So we started to read about roundabouts. And uh, first of all, we found, we found out they're different than the old-fashioned rotaries. The rotaries are bigger, and so people go faster in them. And the accident rate actually goes up, and the injury rate goes up, contrasted to a stoplight. But the, a couple of British engineers in the early 1960s Came up with this idea of what's now referred to as the modern roundabout. It's not a traffic circle. It's not a rotary. Similar but different animal. Yes. And these are smaller, and you're angled, and you go into it. Um, You know, the human error rate never changes much. So it's all about speed in the circles. So here's why we do it. We get about an 80% reduction in, in injury accidents we get a huge reduction in fatalities. They virtually go away. Um, we, we save a lot of fuel. Uh, our city engineer estimated last year that we saved about 200-some uh, big 18-wheel fuel trucks worth of fuel. Wow. Um, we move 50% more cars per hour, and that's important from a cost savings because it's more subtle. But so many times, you know, I'm the mayor or, somebody else city council person they get a call there's traffic congestion You've got to do something about it and uh, the answer from so many civil engineers and, and city administrators is just to uh, well, let's walk in the lanes but all they're really doing is building a bigger parking lot to get more cars through the green cycle the light and so if, if you have constant flow you can put trees down one lane in each direction, put a big median in and a bike lane, a protected bike lane. Because we don't need all that lane capacity, trip times stayed the same because we replaced all the stoplights with roundabouts. So our city now has, I think we have the record in the world, we have our city of 102,000 people has 136 roundabouts, and we have seven more under construction this summer.
2: Holy smokes. That's a lot of roundabouts. You have a, oh, wow. Are you, some of your roundabouts double lane, or are they all single lane?
1: Yes. Yeah. We actually have a couple triple lane roundabouts, and the accident rate goes, you know, the human error rate doesn't change. You're still going to have accidents. The difference is they're at 10 to 15 miles an hour, maybe 20 miles an hour, when that same error rate gets applied to stoplight. Now, nobody in your podcast I know has ever run through a yellow light, right? Have you ever you <laughs> no, there. not around have you no, here? No. Have you? No, this I
0: morning either. I think I did actually.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, you see it green, you even speed up before it turns yellow. You know, it, it's yes. second nature to it. You see it yellow, you really speed up, you know. They they justify as it's called clearing the intersection. And and so the human error is gonna be the same. So when that happens and and uh there's an accident or a crash, it's at high speeds, fifty Miles an hour, maybe 60 miles an hour. Airbags come out, people are injured. You need jaws of life to get people out, people die. It's, it's, uh, in pedestrians, it's very dangerous. You have this false sense of confidence. You're in the crosswalk, nothing's going to happen. Uh, but if somebody makes an error and blows through at 50 or 60 miles an hour, that's pretty bad. Can uh, you, uh, chances of surviving that as a pedestrian are next to nothing? Sure. Yet, at, at a roundabout, Everyone's going 15, 20 miles an hour. So we still have crashes. Uh, some of the larger ones initially might go up a little bit. The smaller ones, it goes way down. Um, depends on the intersection and the amount of traffic. But it's so much safer. So here's the statistic we really focus in on in addition to injury accidents. Uh, sometimes they're reported well, sometimes they're not, but fatalities are reported. And so we started to compare ourselves to national averages of cities around the state of Indiana. So last year we had two traffic fatalities in our city you know, of 100,000. Yes. The U.S. average is 14. The U.S. average is 14 per 100,000.
2: And it's better for uh, pedestrians?
1: Indianapolis. But this is just everyone. Yes. Uh,
0: can we make the assumption that since you have been mayor since I think you said '96, did you were some of these there before you, or are you much pretty much that you're the guy? You you it was your idea.
1: It was my idea, and we had no uh, uh, roundabouts when I came into office.
0: Wow! Um, and I looked up briefly, and uh, when you mentioned England, I I did a little research, and it's and I think it was 1917 or 1918. Was the first um, roundabout, and you obviously know more about it than I do. But it was in it was in England. So, um, what you mentioned England earlier, yeah. I was I was interested in hearing that it was in, in England. And they've had yeah, a lot of success.
1: Those circles back then, you know, Piccadilly Circus in yes. London. Well, that's really just a traffic circle. Yes, circus. You know, an old-fashioned word for circle.
3: Yes.
2: I wonder what they call but the no, one we
1: built. We built all these roundabouts. Uh,
2: in the last 24 years. That's great. Yes, it is. The worst roundabout I've ever seen is uh, the Arch de Triomphe in uh, Paris.
1: (laughs) That's impossible. But that's not a roundabout. Okay, that's what I was going to ask.
2: Okay. Yeah. But I I remember sitting up on the arch, watching that, looking down, studying that for quite some time, one time, And and lo and behold, I ended up, Driving into that, where yeah. I had to go, I, you know, I was in a rental car, and I had to get in there. And after studying it for some time, it wasn't that scary. But to just look at it, oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was. To see how that thing works. I drove it but as it well. Works. I
0: think it has 10 lanes, and but it has no lanes at the same time. It's, there's uh, no
2: lanes, and it's, uh, there must be, what, at least 10 or more? Yeah, um, at least 10 or more, I think. Roads. I think there's
1: that lane. Yeah. And, and, you know, I love the friends, but they don't pay a lot of attention to those lane markers either. No.
0: No, not, not in the least. I uh, well, bet yours aren't made yeah, out of cobblestone. Pedestrians
1: actually have to go in a tunnel to get to the arch trail.
0: Yep, that's right. That's a right.
1: Pedestrian tunnel underneath, uh, I, I believe.
0: Mayor, I I don't know anything about your city, but in terms of the population, do you have a fair share of um, younger drivers or older drivers? And if you do have a lot of older drivers, let's say, oh, I know, for the sake of the discussion, sixty and older. Was there any uh, backlash? Did people have a pushback and say, no, you know, that's not for us? Obviously, you've, you've done well, but have you ever or how often do you receive um, maybe some criticism or some concern that maybe you've had, you have enough roundabouts or is that not an issue at all?
1: Oh, we hear from a few people that don't like them, but we've done lots and lots of public education. So, you know, here we share a street with the city of Indianapolis yet you're six times more likely to die in a traffic accident there than you are on the North side of that same street Yes, on our side, because we've installed the roundabouts. And so we, we constantly for 24 years have been making our data available, being very transparent about, uh, about data and vehicles and accidents. Uh, people get it. Now we, we do, we we have somewhat of a medical center here and, and several hospitals and, uh, serve some of a rural population that goes out farther into the country. And and I can almost tell sometimes when somebody's trying to get to one of those hospitals and they're not used to them, hesitation and, and don't know quite what to do. Yes. But they're pretty intuitive. you have been through them once or twice. So so we see issues around those hospitals. A uh, funny story, um, once uh, Anderson Cooper, back before he was quite as famous as he was today, he had yes. uh, sent a crew in. And it was going to do a little article something like this about roundabouts, and he wasn't here, but his crew was. And I said, "Well, we used to occasionally, you know, people turn the wrong way and they see their street and just go for it." And so we were then it's a big SUV they had leased, Um, and it's his film crew, and we're going after a new roundabout on the other side of uh, town, about ten miles away. And it's a Friday afternoon rush hour. And uh, I had just made the statement. You Used to see people go the wrong way, but everybody's used to it now. You never see that. Well, guess what? We we pull into this roundabout. Here's this old guy, behind this huge old late model Cadillac. He barely comes over the steering wheel, and you can tell he's a bit disoriented, um, holding on to the steering wheel for dear life. And he turns left, he oh, sees boy. the street, and turns left, right into the incoming traffic. Well, the cameraman. Anderson Cooper's show is hanging out the back window. I'm thinking, great, we're going to be, instead of getting a good uh, news segment on this, we're going to be laughingstocks because here's here's going to be a crash. Yes. Because everybody was going so slowly, they all stopped. They let the old guy weave through, find a street, nothing happened. (laughs) If that same sort of mistake had been made at a traffic light, I think it would have ended up very differently.
2: I think so. Um, I've with, never seen that done. That, <laughs> you just taught me a new trick. A <laughs> new trick, I and it never,
1: it never made the Anderson Cooper show because nothing happened. You know.
0: That's great. With with uh, yeah. with with that kind of exposure, I I'm a big fan of Anderson Cooper. I think he's you know he's really good. Not that it matters, but I'm sure he gave you a good segment. Um, and it was nationwide. He did. Yeah, did that? Yeah. Uh, has that and other things led? Uh, your city and and you in particular. Do you consult with other cities? Have you do you have sister programs? And have you gotten some uh, some kudos in that respect that you've you've helped other cities?
1: I'm even you know, I'm I love roundups because we know we will save lives. We know that it will help clean up the environment. Uh, and I'm sort a of big advocate. Uh, yes. And so occasionally I get speaking invitations to other cities. Many times it's the civil engineer that wants to build some and the, you know, the, the politicians, the elected officials don't understand it. I can't, you know, you speak their language. You're not an engineer. you come and explain and tell your story? We never want to tell another city what to do. Right. But I can tell our story. Yes. Why we chose to do it and what our results are. And I think that's been helpful. Um, just in your part of the country, you're out in the Bay area. I consulted on one in Healdsburg that was just completed. Um, and and there's another one going in. I spoke with the city council about it at, uh, 29 and first street in Napa.
0: Oh, great. Um, Yes.
1: And, and I think that one's under construction right now or just completed. I'm not sure. But, uh, so we try to, you know, and I make my engineering staff that has quite a bit of experience with these, uh, available uh, to go to seminars and other meetings with civil engineers, and we advocate for roundabouts. That's great. We think they, uh, they do save lives.
2: I'm familiar with the town of Truckee, California, and they have several roundabouts. And one of the good things about them, not only the traffic flow and the safety, like you mentioned, but is the aesthetics. It's actually a place of beauty. They uh, decorate yeah. them all up. and You know, where normally it's an ugly, one of the ugliest parts of a city is the four-way stop or a big uh, lighted intersection is now a thing of beauty.
1: We plant flowers in them. We put lights on the trees during the winter season. Uh, and and we started a program of putting some pretty nice sculpture in uh, some of the downtown ones uh, that are becoming landmarks. Uh, and, and they're perfect for big pieces of public sculpture.
3: Yes, that's great.
0: um in In your sister city, and you were kind enough to tell me how to pronounce the name of your city, but in the, your <laughs> in, the, in the in the Carmel uh, city of California, uh, I'm uh, fortunate enough to go down there a fair amount for for golf tournaments and such. And as you enter the main entrance of Pebble Beach, the seventeen mile drive, They've put a new um, roundabout in there, and it, maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. But some of the entrances—I have, I've
1: been there, but I haven't seen it yet. Okay, it's uh, Very- th-
0: there's some there's some um, slight inclines and and uh, descents as you're coming and going. Of course, depending on which direction, and at night in particular, um, you really have to be on your game to see someone coming over the slight hill that enters the roundabout from one particular direction. And uh, I know that there, have been, there has been a little bit of controversy, but uh, as you mentioned, the benefits far outweigh the, the problems that they've had in past years when there was just one way in and one way out. And the, even for a small city like that, there was a, quite a bit of backup traffic when there was an event going on at Pebble Beach. So they've done, they've done a, a nice job um, with the project they had down there.
1: Cars move through a uh, roundabout intersection much uh, much more quickly and much more safely. That's the bottom line. And that's why we've done it. And we've used it for economic development, too. You know, yes. We've grown a lot. And you're, you're trying to, you know, we don't have mountains or oceans. It's about quality of life here. You know, we have to be able to attract people to our city because of quality of life, good public schools, good libraries, beautiful parks and trails, and, and good traffic flow, quite
3: honestly. Yes.
1: Walkable areas.
0: I'm and, sure it's about the
1: uh, have been part of that.
0: The only difficulty I've really had, and I'm sure others have mentioned this to you, is if you go to some place where you're driving on the opposite side of the road, and you're driving <laughs> on the op- on the opposite side of the car. So. In uh, Northern Ireland, for example, I remember the difficulty that I had when I first experienced... Everything's backwards. Everything's yeah. backwards, and, and you better really get on it fast, or you're going to be in trouble. I don't know if you've ever had that experience or not in your travels, but it's different, for sure.
1: I have. I've driven in Ireland and Southern Ireland, we Ireland. I've never been up to the north, but I've driven in Southern Ireland through the roundabouts on the wrong side of the road with a clutch and a yes. shift. And it. it you, you can't drink coffee and do it. No. <laughs> it, 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 it no very good thank you for that
2: one thing about a roundabout too is if you blow it you miss your turn or can't see the sign you can you can just keep going around to get it figured out that's another beauty of it yeah
1: yeah yeah chase figure that out in that movie right
0: from from an engineering standpoint um as a layperson what does it take from start to finish is it a um, is it like any other construction project? You have all kinds of consultants and experts and engineers and designers. Is it a is it six-month process or am I way off base or, or what's involved with, with actually making it?
1: Well, you know, the part that the public never sees is the financing. That comes first. You've got to pay for it. Yes. And, and, and then you've got to design it. And then you've got to acquire the right-of-way, because usually you're taking an old four-way stop or a smaller intersection. You would have had to do the same thing with a stoplight with additional lanes as well. And and so the roundabout may take about 5 to 8% more land, but, but the same token, it's more flexible. You know, if you've got buildings on three of the four corners, you can just angle, actually slow down the traffic a little bit before it gets to the roundabout by angling the road a stoplight pretty much has to be right in the middle because of the sight lines. So a little more flexibility it takes maybe five to 8% more land, but the amount of asphalt and concrete is about the same. Uh, moving the underground utilities again, things I never thought of before I was mayor, but, but that takes a while because you have private shareholder owned utilities. Yes. So under the law, and I think mean, most States you give them notice, they're supposed to have so many months to, get their lines or underground lines or overhead wires or underground uh, pipes, gas pipes, could be sanitary sewer that's privately owned um, out of the way. Um, And and if it's an easement or they actually own the property, that utility, then the city's got to buy that. Uh, Usually you're buying some land and there's a process, you know, under most state's laws in our state, you have to get two appraisals and then pay more than the average of that appraisal and if you can't agree you go to court and the judge sets the price under the eminent domain laws uh for the land you need whether it's a stoplight intersection or a, a new road or a roundabout uh so all that takes a lot of time but once you start construction assuming the underground utilities and the overhead utilities are out of the way we can usually build them in 45 to 60 days
0: oh that's good that's fast
1: yeah, it depends on the weather. You know, if you get 10 days of rain, add 10 days to it or eight days to it. They plan on some. But we we did one once in 41 days. That's our record.
0: Oh, that's good.
2: Well, sure- that
1: with intersection closed, if you leave it open and build it in quarters, probably triple the time it takes because then you've got to do it and, you know, you have the grading contractor come and do one quarter of the road and then he leaves And the paving guy comes and then the concrete guy for the curbs come and the and and the underground uh, stormwater sewer people and it's different subcontractors they get a quarter done and they have to start the whole process over again in the next quarter so being able to close the intersection uh saves a lot of time and money
2: well for new construction any new development they not a not even have four-way stops anymore The roundabout is so far superior
1: it, it is and nobody knows how to use a four-way stop i'm not even sure i'm a pretty old guy you know <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: i'm sure in your city um mayor jim i've called you mayor jim now um you have other issues to worry about uh, as all as do all cities but Um, I'm wondering if you're the kind of guy that maybe you have, uh, paintings in your house or, um, some other uh, bedspreads or anything else that you have that's all now with the designs of roundabouts from other countries, or you have, you know, roundabout mugs from visiting other countries or t-shirts or, or do you have dreams about new, new uh, roundabouts that you might have in mind? Um, have you found out that there are some unusual ones in the world that maybe you could share?
1: There are, we've done a couple of Google ones. We did some roundabout interchanges, which are uh, like getting off what amounts to an interstate. Instead of coming to a light, you come to a roundabout. Oh, There's boy. There's a bridge or a roundabout on the other side. I saw somebody's in New York Mallorca, an island off the coast of Spain a number of years ago, and I thought, this is cool. And, and so we, I came back, got our engineers. We looked at Google Earth. And Found where I'd been and and then we started to try to make some improvements to it and I think the engineers did uh, every once in a while you'll see a big circle over the interstate with ingress and egress and you know it was like why well, have two bridges which are expensive just have one sure and, and then roundabouts on either end so uh, again you know the queue or the line between those two stoplights you can get out say you're driving down an interstate highway you get off, you come to a stoplight. Yes. On the other side of that bridge is a stoplight, too. And the engineers have to calculate how many cars are going to line up or queue up in those stoplights the busiest time. So they keep stretching those stoplights farther and farther apart. It takes a lot of land. Sure. Um, so with the constant flow, if you replace those stoplights with um, roundabouts, you need maybe a tenth of the land for that roundabout interchange that you need for our stoplight interchange.
3: That's, That's interesting. Uh, yeah, and,
1: and we've built about 12 of those now. As you get off some of our major highways, it really helped. They've really helped. And, and But I saw those first in uh, Spain, actually. That's great. We, we've learned a lot from other places. Travel's a good thing. Uh, and then, you know, steal the, you know, there's always that debate. In uh, government, is it uh, best practices, or do you just steal it?
0: <laughs> That's right. Before Bruce asks this question, is part B the same question? Since you've traveled and you have this knowledge, do you have some um, roundabouts uh, in Europe and other parts of the world? Are they uh, what are different? Do you have any different words for them? Uh, how, how to what other what do they call them in Japan or Spain or any place else you've been? Do they have some odd terms?
1: Uh generally since the English invented them in the early sixties. Yes. I think the word roundabout has worked its way into most of the European languages. Yes. I have seen them in Japan. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I don't know the Japanese word for them.
2: Okay. Interesting,
1: Jim. I was wondering. I'm going to go look it up though tonight. Okay. I never (laughs) had that question before. Me too. I need to learn (laughs) that.
2: Okay, great. Jim, I was wondering since you're an engineer, you might have the numbers in your head. Uh, What's the saturation point, or how many cars per hour uh, does it take to, you know, that that a roundabout won't work, or do you know?
1: Well, Well, first of all, you ask the right question. A lot of people look at cars per day. And that really is irrelevant. It's the car or vehicles per hour that's important. Okay. Uh, you know, I think we get up to 15,000, 20,000. Uh, we have one. One of the keys in designing these things I've learned is that you have more or less equal traffic flow from all four directions. If you're getting 70 to 80% of the traffic flow from one direction, you're going to have long queues. We have one where, where that was an issue. Uh, it was one of our roundabout interchanges. It's only an issue of about 20 minutes in the morning because we have a big public high school with 5,000 kids. So you got all the juniors and singers. A lot of them are driving their own cars. Um, and they're generally coming from one direction to that high school uh, through a roundabout. And so we actually put up what's called not a stoplight. It's called a meter. And so if, People from the other directions can't get in. or starting to back up. If the line backs up, it, it shuts off the flow from everyone else and allows the, the, the segment or the quarter that's backed up to flow through until so it's all automatic based on the length of that line or queue.
2: Oh, okay. But we only so have
1: one of them. It's we only a hybrid. One plate. Sort of a hybrid yeah, roundabout. Yeah, sort of a hybrid. Okay.
0: When you mentioned the high school, um, th- you triggered a thought. Thank you very much for that. You know, when, I was, when we were 16 and we had to pass a driver's test to get a license, I remember failing mine the first time because we drove in a parking lot and I didn't realize that you're not supposed to drive across the lines. You're supposed to drive in where well, there are no parking spots. I mean, there weren't any cars. It was on a weekend, whatever. But I'm assuming in your city, that a student driver has to learn how to properly use the roundabouts. Since you have 130 plus, and you're going to have 140 plus soon, um, is that true? And and have you heard any tales of uh, some student drivers um, having some difficulties?
1: I, I think the students, uh, yes, they are taught and drivers know how to drive through them, uh, but because they've grown up with them, yes, I think they're very comfortable with them here. And so a lot of our neighboring cities started to build them. You know, we're in a suburban area. Yes. So we have a town or east and a city to our north and a city, uh, two cities to our north. And they each have 30 or 40 roundabouts at this point, Uh, more than a lot of cities in the U.S. And other cities in Indiana have seen what we've done and have started to build them. Our state DOT has started to build a few. Uh, So it's now in the Indiana driver's
0: manual. Oh, great.
1: Uh, We asked we changed state law a few years ago uh, at the request of a, a truck driver. He called or texted me one Sunday morning and said, you know, I can't approve those double lanes. The roundabout's just fine, but I take up two lanes. And we checked the law, and he was right. Uh, he could be found at fault because he's taking up two lanes. So we went down to the state uh, general assembly, our legislative body, and said, let's uh, set some rules for semis. And say, you know you're not supposed to be in a two or more roundabout, two lane or more roundabout, uh, you got to give it a semi. you can't be up beside it, just got to fall back and let it go through. And they are allowed by law to take two lane. We made adjustments in our laws as well to accommodate uh, this new type of intersection. That's
0: great.
2: that's good. yes, i've I've seen small roundabouts, even that uh, they don't have the landscaping. In the full circle, they'll, half the circle will be uh, cobbles or brick or something so that semis and or fire trucks can make it around a small roundabout. They can, they, they can kind of cut through legally.
1: Yeah. Usually the first six feet of the interior is what we call hard surface concrete or decorative pavement or something, and it's a road curb as opposed to a straight curb. So if somebody misses, they don't destroy the landscaping or their vehicle.
0: Great.
2: Good. Yeah.
0: Mayor Jim, uh, uh, we want to thank you for for being our guest today on the Weekly Driver podcast. I'm sure, as the mayor in the world in which we're currently living, you have a lot of responsibilities. I'm sure you always do, but but perhaps now more than um, six months ago. Uh, so thank you for taking the time to explain um, what just seems to be a wonderful idea. And I'm going to get on on the stick here and you know, mail the mayor of Sacramento a letter and say, you should talk to this guy in Indiana. He's got it going on. So um, thank you, uh, Mayor Jim Brainerd from Carmel, uh, Indiana. And uh, we really appreciate your uh, being our guest today on the Weekly Driver Podcast. Thanks so much.
1: Well, it's been great to be with you. It's been a great conversation. Take care. Thank you. You too.
0: Bye now.